The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Career Day on the MarTech Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Knit. Knit enables businesses of all sizes to find audiences through audio ads on premium podcast content like CNN, Bleacher Report, and TMZ. They're a dynamic ad insertion platform that allows you to reach your audience by choosing which shows, geographies, and keywords you want to target with podcast ads. And since Knit is a self-service platform, there's no minimum order sizes to get started. I'm a Knit customer, and I can vouch that it's an incredibly easy, cost-efficient, and effective way to market a product or a service. If you're interested in learning about the Knit platform, I will personally walk you through how to use their service and help you set up your first campaign. To book a podcast advertising strategy session with me, click the link in our show notes or head over to benjshap.com slash knit, that's K-N-I-T, to book your podcast strategy session. So click the link in our show notes or head over to benjshap.com slash knit to leverage the power of podcasting and start building your audience today. Bringing podcast advertising to the people, that's knit. Today, we're going to learn about the skills accumulated and lessons learned from a great marketer throughout the various stops on his career. Joining us for Career Day is an expert in an often overlooked part of driving growth, marketing operations. Jeff Shearer is an independent marketing consultant based in Seattle, Washington. And prior to branching out on his own, Jeff held in-house marketing roles at a variety of tech-driven companies, including Nintex and the Expedia Group. Here's our interview with marketing operations expert, Jeff Shearer. Jeff, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Happy to be here. It's great to have you here, and I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit about the career path for a marketing operations expert. Let's just start off by talking a little bit about what do you consider to be marketing operations? That's the question of the decade, I suppose. Marketing operations is one of those terms that says a lot and also so little. When I think about marketing operations, I think a lot about automation, about technology, about process. The spirit of marketing operations, I think, is to be kind of the brains behind the marketing organization to make sure that the team is making the right decisions and is doing them in the most efficient and proper ways. So that means really using technology in very strategic ways, building process around areas to help marketers that maybe are less technical or more creative work in a sophisticated marketing organization to drive growth. 
and being able to measure what's happening along the way and be able to give some insights to help forecast where the team is going and how they need to change direction to meet goals. So as marketing has grown with the advent of the internet and digital marketing, I don't know if it's taken over, but we're heading that direction. The plumbing that's required to get data from all of your ad platforms into a consolidated system and then to be consumable by a marketer, that's kind of how I think of marketing operations. It's that flow of data and understanding of not only what channels you're using, how they're performing, and then what actions you should take next. Talk to me a little bit about how did you get into marketing and where did you start focusing on the marketing operations side? Sure. So I went to school. I went to Western Washington University up in Bellingham, Washington for marketing. My canned phrase I use for this is that I was better at math than most of the business students, but I wasn't good enough at math for engineering. So I ended up in business and I found it as a great home, actually. I liked the mix of creative and technical that business and particularly marketing provided. And I pretty quickly got interested in the digital aspects. And I was graduating right into a recession, but managed to get a job working in a rather unusual bit of work. I was working in social media, which was very cool and very interesting and SEO and SEM. And we were doing it at a company called Sesame Communications, managing the social media presences of dentists and orthodontists across the United States. And I had hundreds of clients and Great experience working in more of an agency setting, working for small business clients with some interesting space because the clients were obviously not necessarily the most tech savvy folks, but it was a very interesting way to kind of understand that client vendor relationship and start to learn some fundamentals of some of the more digital aspects of marketing. As they say now, all marketers are digital marketers. You might have marketers who are focused on non-digital aspects, but they're all still doing some elements that are digital. So I think that was a great first role for me. I eventually moved over to the corporate marketing side of that company. And that was kind of my first taste of more of a marketing operations and kind of a jack-of-all-trades marketing manager sort of role, where instead of marketing on behalf of the clients, I was marketing to help the organization find more clients. So a couple of things that stick out to me at the early phase of your career. First off, you're going to tell me that my orthodontist doesn't know how to run his own AdWord campaigns? (laughs) Not quite. Not quite. Although some of them think they can. (laughs) Also not surprising. But kidding aside, you started off at an age where digital media was starting to be a mainstay and were working in small, medium-sized businesses. Were you doing a lot of campaign management? Are you placing ads or what was the day-to-day focus of your job? So when I was working on the agency side of the business, we were definitely doing some advertising, but most of it was restricted to big platforms like Google AdWords. I mean, this was back when Facebook was only just kind of getting going and we were still building MySpace accounts for some of these some of these doctors. So that kind of helps date where this was happening. So we were definitely doing ad placement, but it was more around Google AdWords, just knowing that it's a lot of local business search maps being very important, local business listings being very important and social media, obviously building out those presences, help using those from an SEO perspective, helping getting regular content out to the patients and building these little communities for these doctors that stay in touch. Very, very important for an orthodontist who's constantly turning over patients to have that kind of patient base coming in for referrals, for referrals from other doctors or referrals from other patients. So you're learning a lot about local marketing, performance marketing, sort of that math-centric background that you had coming out of college was useful. And then you mentioned that you moved into kind of an online communications role. Tell me a little bit about what the shift was there. So there was an internal opening at the organization for kind of a brand manager, marketing manager sort of role, small marketing team companies, a couple hundred people. So not a massive team, 
but an opportunity to get more into the other aspects of marketing, demand generation, email marketing, website management, content development, those sorts of things, and working with a little bit higher stakes than just a small business setting. And I remember applying for the role and they had said, hey, we just bought this tool called Marketo. And we don't really know how it works. We need help getting it set up. It's kind of just sitting there. And we need someone who can figure it out. And I said, I can take that challenge. I don't know how to use it, but I'll figure it out. And that was actually a very good career move for me because that really set my trajectory onto the marketing operations technology path that I think is so perfect for my interests and skills. And it was just through that internal role change that all started. It's funny that your role as essentially a brand manager morphed into you're going to do marketing automation and email marketing. It's kind of like the perfect role found you, even though that wasn't the job that you accepted. Yeah. People will ask me all the time, how do you get into marketing operations? And I'll say, well, I kind of fell into it, really. It was... You know how it is with a small marketing organization. You kind of have to figure out what needs to get done and figure it out. I was doing a little bit of event management. I was doing some budget management. I was keeping the designer on track. But then the thing that I found myself really getting interested in was the marketing automation path because it was just like, this is perfect for me. This is like playing with Legos all day, but doing it where you get paid. (laughs) I think that's a great way to talk about marketing operations. And honestly, the way that I think of modern marketing is you're hopefully bolting together, but sometimes screwing and duct taping different platforms together and try to get the data and the platforms to talk to each other. But that's neither here nor there. Tell me a little bit more about you were at this communications company, you're focused on small businesses, you start getting into Marketo. And you mentioned that's the beginning of your career path. Where did you head from there? So I had gotten into Marketo relatively early. And Marketo is one of those companies where people hold them up a lot as an example of a marketing organization that does good marketing. And I think that's fairly deserved, but I think they're specifically very good at the customer marketing side of things. And one of the things I was struck with early on was how invested they were in building a community and really having their customers talking to each other and helping kind of champion the brand and become real power users in much the same way that Salesforce does with their MVP program. So very early on, I got involved in the local user group and I eventually became the leader of the user group in Seattle. And then I joined their Marketo Champion program, which are really kind of their top users worldwide who are power users of the tool, really experts and folks who want to help others. I find that that's a big part of what I like doing is helping pass knowledge on to others. So when I'd find an interesting way to approach something in Marketo or with a tool related to Marketo, I would write a big write-up about it on their community and share it with others. And it kind of helped build my network and reputation as someone who really knew this tool well and could find novel ways to use it in an organization to drive the results that were promised when they bought the tool two years ago. So that's part of what got me onto this track while I was in my role at Sesame Communications. And it's what helped me get my role at Expedia was my reputation that I had built as kind of a thought leader in this space. So you went out and essentially engaged the community of Marketo users, built a reputation as a Marketo expert, landed at the Expedia group because you had a visible personal brand as a Marketo expert. Talk to me about the role at Expedia. Were you obviously working with Marketo, but what was your area of focus? The role was with Expedia, specifically their corporate travel division, Agencia. So it's still a B2B function within it. And I'll say all of my roles, with the exception of my first role, working on kind of more an agency setting, have all been B2B roles. And I found that that's really been an area of interest. And there's so much interesting happening in B2B that I don't necessarily need to go to the B2C side. 
But moving over to Agencia, their corporate travel division, and took a role running effectively demand generation for North America. So we're a small team with a director of marketing and a customer marketing. So I was the one focused on new business, and I had a counterpart who was focused on customer marketing. We were using Marketo. We had a advertising budget. And my role was really to sit with the sales team in that region, both the folks managing small accounts to the folks managing the big millions of dollars accounts to help them find new customers, drive engagement with those accounts, Obviously, when you're selling corporate travel, those are big, long contract life cycles. For big companies, it could be a three-year contract, right? So you can imagine how long that sales cycle is. Having marketing, staying in touch with those contacts and staying relevant when three years pass and your contacts have completely changed is very important. So I really learned a lot about the alignment that's needed between sales and marketing to really get things done. And the idea of really becoming good friends with especially your inside sales leaders as a marketer to understand and really empathize with what they're trying to do and where their needs are and find ways to support them, but also make sure that you're not just acting on the whim of every salesperson who comes to you with an idea, finding that balance. And a lot of it, it just comes with sitting by those teams and working with them to really understand what's going on and have them, again, understand your perspective of things as well. I think that was a big lesson. Probably the biggest lesson I learned at Expedia was that sales and marketing alignment, finding that balance. What's interesting to me is that your previous role at Sesame Communications, when you become a Marketo expert and you're investing in the community, I think of Marketo as a retention and engagement tool, right? Where you have already acquired a lead or a customer and you're using Marketo to stay engaged with them. But your next role was really about customer acquisition. Tell me a little bit about some of the channels that you were using to acquire the customers to get into the Marketo communication funnels that you're building? So as a B2B organization, we're using the typical channels that you might imagine. Online advertising, obviously organic search coming in, very important as well. We would be doing partnerships with media groups to get placements on their sites or do newsletter sponsorships to acquire leads that way. And obviously working with the sales teams on any sort of accounts that they're developing to help find new leads through technology, like a inside view where you're enriching or you're adding uh, contacts to the account. So we're doing a bit of everything. So my role was actually acquisition marketing manager. So I did own that ad budget. We had an agency that was supporting us, but making sure that we're spending responsibly and our ads are driving the right performance in terms of leads. But ultimately, getting them into the door is just part of the process. I own the first half of the customer experience, meaning I owned everything up until the first closed deal. And then my customer marketing manager owned the ongoing relationship. So while getting them in the door was the starting point, ultimately, it was about building nurture to make sure that the leads that were coming into the system were being qualified properly. If we had content marketing, understanding that those leads aren't necessarily ready to just go and talk to a salesperson yet, kind of thinking through what's the right series of messages that we need to drive to get this person to a threshold where they're ready to talk to a salesperson. Person. And then also having a way to say, hey, salesperson has passed something back to us. What can we do to re-engage this lead so that they're better qualified the next time they come around? And then, of course, measuring things along the way to be able to say, hey, of the closed deals we had, how did our marketing activities impact that along the way? So I think that what you're saying is a very mature view of what marketing really is, where I think that a lot of people who are even marketers, but people that are outside of marketing, looking at what the function is for, they're thinking of marketing, the guys that run the AdWords campaigns or that use Facebook and get customers to the website. And then maybe they send some emails and you're looking at 
marketing acquisition, not just the sort of top of funnel activity of driving net new leads, but the engagement strategy, networking, and reaching out to a community to try to build the overall profile for the product that you're selling. Absolutely. And it's funny because with account-based marketing being such a hot term in the past couple of years, it wasn't really much of a term when I was in my role at Expedia. But what we were doing was exactly that. Because again, when you've got those kinds of sales cycles and you have those kinds of deal sizes, you're not just talking to one person and you can't just focus on, well, we got a lead in the door. It's, hey, we got a lead in the door that fits the persona that we're targeting and fits the type of account that we can sell well into, both in terms of the size of the company. Because you can imagine you could have a tiny company company that does a ton of travel, or you could have a gigantic company that does no travel. So the measures of what defines a good customer aren't so clear for a travel management company. So thinking through that profiling and thinking through who are the people we want to be talking to, we were doing account-based marketing. We were doing direct mail campaigns to some of these folks. A lot of that stuff was very ahead of the game. And I don't credit myself for this. I credit really my boss, who was very much a and still is a pioneer in this space. But I think that marketing tends to get relegated to, oh, we generate leads or we generate clicks. But especially in the B2B space, marketing has really got to be that strategic partner that helps people scale. I think it was an episode of the Saster podcast or something like that recently with Maria Pergolino, who's the CMO of Anaplan. And she said something to the effect of, marketers are what help sales teams scale. Without them, a sales team might say, hey, we can sell on our own. But ultimately, to scale and to scale efficiently where your profit is retained, you need to have a good marketing team that's thinking about that front end. And I think it's just short-sighted to think of marketers as just lead generators. I think that people confuse marketing and advertising often. For sure. Where lead generation is I'm placing an ad, I'm getting somebody to the property, I'm doing the outreach and meeting net new prospects. Marketing is broader than advertising, and it is really the development of a market and the promotion of a brand. And it sounds like your Expedia Group experience was sort of transformational in your career in the sense that you had this boss that was just sort of doing account-based marketing before account-based marketing was a sort of common buzzword. She was the ABM hipster. She was doing it before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Her name, by the way, is Jen O'Brien. She later worked at SAP Concur and ClearSlide. And I believe she's now at SAP Proper. So We'll have to have her as a guest on the show. And yeah, absolutely. I could see that the ABM hipster being the title of the episode already. <laughs> so after your experience working for the ABM hipster, where did you head next? So I was really itching to take on a role that would give me a little bit more of a global function because obviously the role I was in at Expedia was very much a North America role. And I really was interested in working with more global teams. And I wanted to build a team of my own and take on kind of that more people manager role. So I had an opportunity to build a department at Nintex, which is a workflow automation company that's just down the street from Expedia in Bellevue, Washington. And I took on the role of director of marketing operations for that team. That role was less on the owning demand gen and campaigns and advertising and all of that, and more around how can we build the right process and technology and analytics to run an efficient marketing organization. And Nintex is a Marketo user as well. So obviously, that was a component of it. But it was also around what are the right metrics for us to be measuring? And how should we be tracking those? How do we connect the dots from our online advertising, or our emails? Nintex is a big partner-led organization. How do we track the leads that are coming from our partners properly and look at all of the different touch points that are happening to be able to say that this deal was driven by these channels and be able to measure effectively what's the return on investment from those channels? So it's a big part of the role there. 
and collaborating with a rather large team of field marketers and more campaign-focused people to make sure that they're able to work with this technical, sophisticated marketing technology stack, but not feel like they're bottlenecked by marketing operations. Marketing operations is always going to be a smaller team. And so you have to think about how do you build an efficient and easy-to-use tool while still retaining controls where they need to be kept for where data is really at risk. You don't want just anyone messing with data, but you also want to cede some control to your day-to-day users to make sure they are able to get things done without driving you crazy with requests all day. So those were some of the lessons I learned at Nintex for sure. That's interesting. So this is really the first time where you have a title that specifies that you're focused on marketing operations, which to me indicates that there's a separate marketing team or someone else who is a director of something else marketing related. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Tell me about the relationship between marketing operations, your team, and the rest of the marketing org. Are you seen as a support function? Are you independent and the owners of the data? What's the difference between those two teams? So I think that's interesting. I was hired to roll under the chief marketing officer. So ultimately, that was the majority of marketing. We had some field marketing and product marketing in different orgs, but our brand marketing, our digital marketing teams, those were all under the same leader. So I kind of had colleagues on digital marketing, on brand marketing, PR, that sort of thing that I would collaborate with. So it was very much one of internal customers with requests and needs to improve the process or to just get campaigns through the door. So a lot of what that role was, was collaborating with those leaders to understand kind of where their needs were, where our gaps were, where we wanted to get to, and understanding what they were trying to do with their programs, and then building a framework that kind of being that internal consultant to help design with them a process that would work. It's interesting, though, because marketing operations, I think, is evolving as a term. And I think around that time was when that was really becoming more of a common term and a role in organizations, probably even a few years before then. But now you're seeing it even bifurcate even more because you're starting to hear this term RevOps, revenue operations, where you've got a sales operations team, marketing operations team that work a lot together. 
But RevOps is this idea of bringing those two functions together under their own team. So rather than having a marketing leader owning marketing ops and a sales leader owning sales ops, you might have a RevOps focused org. I haven't worked in that sort of org yet. I think it has its own trade-offs, but that's a whole other series of complications, benefits, trade-offs, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm starting to see at more growth stage companies, instead of having a CMO, they're having a CRO. Yeah. And CRO is interesting, right? Because CRO could mean head of sales. It could mean head of sales and marketing. It could be you know any sort of things. And some of the orgs I've been at have had CROs who've been more sales-focused folks, but it just kind of depends on the organization and how that works. It also depends on the CMO. Some CMOs you'll have are very brand and the more creative side of marketing. Other CMOs are very, very technical, very data-driven folks. And that's probably where you start to see that CRO crossover a bit more. Yeah. Whenever I hear CRO, I just assume it means VP of marketing and VP of sales, and they just gave two jobs to the same person. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit more about you go and you're setting up the infrastructure for all of these different peer groups within marketing. You mentioned direct response or your advertising team and PR. You're a support function for them. How is your role evaluated when you're not the one that's running the end campaign? Your job is to facilitate the production of that work. I think a lot of how we would measure ourselves and obviously being the team owning the metrics, we would design our own metrics as well. And I would measure my team, my analysts. <laughs> we would be sandbagging to make sure that our metrics look good. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You get to mess with the numbers a little bit there. No, but you know, my team, my analysts and my marketing automation specialists, we would focus a lot on efficiency metrics like, hey, how quickly are we turning around tickets from others? So that's a fairly simple, like more of a project management sort of focus metric where we'd start to say, hey, are we getting lists uploaded in a timely manner? What's the kind of degree of error we have with data coming in? How quickly are we responding when someone needs to get a campaign out the door? So that'd be one way of measuring it, just in terms of how well are we supporting the other teams? Operational efficiency, really? Yeah, exactly. We'd also have project milestones of, hey, we want to get this particular tool put in place, or we want to get this particular process in place. And by completing those by those milestones, that would be a measure of success. But we would also share in the responsibility of ultimately meeting the number because demand generation can bring in 100 leads. But if those leads aren't scored and tracked properly along the way, that's not going to result in a high degree of sales acceptance or qualification down the line. So ultimately, I've always viewed demand generation metrics as a shared responsibility of marketing ops and a demand gen team because we cannot exist without the other. You know, I can build the best system in the world, but without campaigns to run through it, it's not going to do anything. And vice versa, a demand gen manager can spend all their days spinning up creative campaigns, but if they don't have the tools to execute it, it won't drive a meaningful impact. It's interesting because in this role of marketing operations, I think that there's two ways that you can look at this. Our job is to create the system, the plumbing, the infrastructure, the architecture, and we shouldn't be held accountable for what the business results are because they're all the operating teams that are running the campaigns and leveraging our platform. So all that matters is they can do what they want to seamlessly and efficiently. Or the flip side, we're responsible for everything because the campaigns that are going to be run are important, but all of them are run through our infrastructure and it's our job to make sure that that's seamless and effective. See, I think you're hitting on a good point, which I think is the other half of marketing operations where building a process is great, but we're also, I mentioned marketing ops should be the brains behind the operation. And I mean that in terms of helping advise what's working and what's not and guide what needs to be done to meet the number. And we're so close to the number that analyzing it and saying, hey, this is working or this is not working. And then partnering with the demand gen or the partner marketing teams to 
course correct is a big part of it. And if we don't communicate that, they're not necessarily going to make that change themselves. So I think it's easy for a marketing operations role to look at their role as purely owning technology and process, but really they're supposed to be a big part of the advice on what to do next. And to assume that a demand gen market or some other marketing organization is that close to the numbers is probably doing them a disservice. I think marketing ops builds the systems to analyze, but should also, you know, there's a reason why I had analysts on my team because we were the partners to help build out the QBR slides and make sure everyone's using the right metrics because we're the ones that knew the data the best. So I think that's the other half of marketing is establishing that analytics prowess too. Yeah, I think that you brought up that you had analysts on your team. And to me, marketing operations is not just creating the infrastructure architecture in 10 different ways to name it, but also being able to understand and interpret what data is coming in so the end operator of a specific channel can decide what their strategy is. Exactly. Eventually, you move on from Nintex and you're independent. Tell me about the reason for going out on your own and tell me about what you do today. So I was looking to make a change. I was at Nintex for about four years and was looking to try something new. I'd always been interested in the consulting path. I mentioned earlier, a big passion for me is in teaching others and helping others excel in this space. And I saw consulting as kind of an interesting path to flex those muscles and to start to impact other organizations outside of my own. I'd always kind of been a pro bono consultant, so to speak, when someone wanted to jump on a call and talk through things. But I was really interested in this idea of kind of building out a business, knowing I had a good reputation, knowing I had a great network, how can I build a book of business this way and kind of try this as a side project? Really, it started out as taking a break before my next plan, but I've actually been doing it for the past six or seven months now, and it's been really rewarding so far. So most of the work that I'm pursuing now is still very much marketing operations technology work. I'd say I do a mix of taking a look at people's technology stack, looking at what works, what isn't, where there's overlap that maybe is desired or undesired, helping them understand their processes, their lead life cycles, their scoring models and saying, is this working right? Is this passing leads properly? And how do we talk to sales to make sure that we have alignment around this? And then taking a look at the actual systems they're using to execute their business, looking at their process for nurture marketing or for contact management, things like consent programs, things like that for GDPR or Canadian anti-spam and building those processes so that these companies can kind of walk away with a pre-built program that they can then use right out of the gate without necessarily having an in-house marketing operations expert. As you look back on your career, going from a demand gen role into your role sort of doing pre-ABM, ABM for Expedia, and then getting into true marketing operations role for Nintex, now being independent, what advice do you have for people that are interested in a career in marketing operations? And what are some of the resources that you'd guide them to help get them educated? You know, Ben, I love this question because it's really the question I get asked most is how did you get into this and what advice would you give to me to get into this? And the tough thing is that the answer is a little bit complicated. When you hear about my path, it seems designed, but of course it wasn't. And part of the reason I'm even in this is because I sort of fell into a role I wasn't really qualified for, but took a chance on. And I think that would be a big part of my advice for folks who want to get into this is you start in some sort of a marketing function, whether it's a marketing coordinator sort of role or working in an agency, working in some sort of digital space, because marketing operations and technology touches all of that. And building some subject matter expertise with the tools you're using can start to make you stand out as an expert in the space and help you get those deeper and deeper technology roles. I think that's a big part of it, right? 
is finding kind of those pieces of technology and really going very deep on them. Nowadays, while I still have a lot of expertise on the Marketo side, I'm not using it as much directly as I used to. And I think that's the role of my team to help develop them to become better at those sorts of things. But I think starting out going very deep, I don't know if you've ever heard of this notion of the T-shaped marketer, but the idea of, hey, there's all these different areas you can get into in marketing. But ideally, you go deep in a couple of those, at least starting out to really build some expertise. And then you start picking out some new areas along the top of the T to go deeper on as you grow in your career. And I think that's a good model for young marketers or folks who are looking to switch into the marketing space to think about as they go down this path. As far as resources online, unfortunately, like learning Marketo and specific tools is actually a little bit tricky because a lot of these tools are kind of these walled gardens. They're these closed off ecosystems that you can't just get a trial account on. But there's ways, right? There's programs. And I think the universities are starting to get better at this. There's online boot camps, obviously. You could also just start with something like a Salesforce because everyone's using Salesforce and you can actually get a free developer account to Salesforce just as a test space. So that's a great place to start to kind of get a sense for how these systems interplay with each other and kind of run with it from there. Yeah, I think one of the things that occurs to me is, well, Marketo might be an expensive tool and a walled garden. There's a whole host of other tools that are in the marketing automation space where you can learn about the different features and use cases at a more accessible price point. So for people that are interested in this space, I think that there are tools that are not necessarily enterprise level that will allow you to understand the underlying principles. One of the things that occurs to me about your career, Jeff, is that you have actively gone and engaged community and sought to help educate people, and that's done nothing but help boost your career. And so I think that, like with everything else, what you put in is what you get out. And I think that your efforts to invest in your career have paid out, and that's a great example of being generous with your time and your effort and how it pays off in the end. Absolutely. I think... Giving back and finding ways to teach others only helps you learn more along the way. That's been one of the biggest lessons of my career so far. So you're right on for highlighting it. Well, I appreciate you being generous with your time and joining us on our show and talking to us about marketing operations. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Jeff Shearer for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Jeff, you can click on the link in our show notes to see his bio or visit his website, which is jeffrshearer.com, J-E-F-F-R-S-H-E-A-R-E-R.com. A special thanks to Knit for sponsoring this podcast. If you're interested in learning about podcast advertising to grow your audience, click the link in our show notes and I'll personally walk you through your initial test campaign setup. You can also visit benjshap.com slash knit, that's K-N-I-T, to book your 30-minute podcast advertising strategy session with me. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, we just want to take a minute to say thank you for being a member of our community. You can always reach out to us on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, and you can find me on LinkedIn and on Twitter. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up for you, including tomorrow's update where we recap how this podcast performed in November. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed to wrap up this month in podcasting tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.